www.livealittlehigher.com. This week we reach Parasha Behar, and in Parasha Behar it talks about a mitzvah that is a very hard mitzvah to fulfill. Nevertheless, it's a mitzvah of the Torah. And so it says, if your brother becomes poor and his means fail, you shall support him with a loan. Do not take interest and usury from him. I am the Lord your God who takes you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. So from these concluding words, our sages have derived that one who accepts upon himself the prohibition of usury accepts upon himself the yoke of heaven. And a person who rejects the prohibition of usury rejects the, the yoke of heaven. So the, the Torah strictly forbids the collection of payment like you cannot lend money to someone and then go and charge interest on the money that you lent it's a hundred percent forbidden it forbids it completely uh, and uh, we're not allowed to lend money for interest uh, to another jew so but there however is a procedure that uh, is done with a rabbi and which is called heter iska because there's instances in which a person is gonna lend money to a person to build a business, for example, or or he's gonna get profit from your loan. And so you can do a heteriska, and this is called a partnership partnership clause, in which it is permitted for the, the person that lent the money to get profit from his loan. And so it is stipulated that the money is not a loan, but an investment in a joint business venture. So when you're lending money to your friend because your friend lost his job, God forbid, and he has no money to pay his rent, and he has no money to feed his family, and he's looking for another job, and meanwhile, the poor guy has nothing, and you lend him money to be, to be able to support him for a, for a few months, uh, till he gets settled down, the moment he returns the money to you, you're not allowed to to charge interest of that money that you lent your, your friend. But if your friend is building a company and he's getting get, gonna get profit from your loan, then you get this heteriska in which it is allowed that he gives you uh, an interest of the money that you lent him. So the legal difference is that in the case of the loan, the money is no longer the property of the lender. For example, there's many people that I know that have something that is called a gemach, which is a, 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 fund, a fund that they have that is specifically to lend money to other people. I, there's people that do incredible things with this, like they help people build their homes, they help people get back on their feet, and once the other people pay them back, they don't they don't charge interest. Sometimes people don't even pay back. They can't even pay back. They can never pay back, or they look the other way and they don't pay back. It happens. So this is a mitzvah that really taps into. Uh, into bitachon, into the trust in Hashem, we see that there's two other mitzvahs that are commanded in this parasha of Be'ar, which are uh, the Shemitah year and the, and, the, and the Jubilee year. So every seven years, the land of Israel has to rest. The person cannot work the land. He has to let it be, let it open for anybody that's coming by. They can just grab the produce and take it for free. And, and the person doesn't make any profit from, from actually it's almost three years because it's the year of Shemitah, 
the year after they're they're preparing the the, the, the the land again to be able to produce and then it takes another year for the land to produce so in reality these are mitzvahs in which the Jew is commanded to, to put his bitachon in Hashem, his trust in Hashem. It really reminds us that the one that feeds us is God and not us. So the same way people think, oh no, it's my money, I owe my money, it's my money, you know? But when you are given the mitzvah to be able to lend to someone, you have the money to lend someone that needs the money and you give it to them freely and you don't know if you're ever gonna see this money again and you just give it to them, then it's a, you are acting like God. So we see here that in the case of the heter itzka, this agreement, the money remains the property of the investor in partnership with, with the one to whom the money has been entrusted and the compensation he receives is not free profit but profit that his money is currently generating this is also the difference between extending a loan in return for interest which is forbidden and renting a home or other object to another in return for payment, which is permitted. So for example, if you're gonna, let, if you're gonna uh, rent a home, if you have property and you rent it, obviously it's a business. You're not lending the home, you're renting the home. So you get profit from, 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 your, from your renting. It's a rent, it's not a loan. So these are differences. So we see from, um, from the Rebbe, from the teachings of the Rebbe, from his Sihas, it teaches us that the that the the Sohar states that the Torah has both body and soul. Sometimes we read these mitzvot and they sound very like mundane, you know, like yeah, you you cannot do this, you cannot do that, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, and and this is actually the body of the Torah, like in which the physical it's the physical dimension of a. Of, of what Hashem desires from us because the Torah is really Hashem's wisdom and so in the Torah we get the history of the Jewish people we get uh, our whole uh, since the universe was created we it is a recounting of, of our of our of our making as a nation and 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 this is one level of reading the Torah this is the, the body of the Torah but a body needs a soul to be animated it needs to have a different dimension a deeper dimension so if you have a body with no soul the body is really dead and if you have a soul with no body the soul cannot have an effect in the world we need each other so body and soul complement and fulfill each other the body is a vehicle for the soul extending the soul's reach to areas it could not touch on his own and the body of the Torah it's the implementer of the soul so realizing its ethereal concepts as concrete truths in concrete world on the other hand a body without a soul is a dark and cold often a law or event in torah might seem dry so if i'm telling you that you can lend money it's a mitzvah to go and lend money to someone that is in need but you cannot um, charge interest this could seem a little bit like like dry you know we have to see what's really the, the the death of this mitzvah what is the soul of this mitzvah so the same applies to the laws of 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 of, of heter hitzka and ursary and we see that the heter iska sounds like an elaborate loophole it lo would look like a loophole okay this person is gonna lend money but he wants to be paid the remuneration in so it's a loophole but in reality it's not so is there 
really that much of a difference between these two ways of being rewarded for granting the use of one's capital to another person or in a different equivalent as, uh, as we see to the difference between accepting the very notion of God's authority or rejecting it, God forbid. So is it something that it's so mundane, so of everyday work, everyday life, or it has more to it? So we have to look at this in a different way. So our sages tell us that God himself observes every mitzvah. He doesn't ask us to do something that he doesn't do. This sounds very weird and it sounds very, it's, it's difficult to understand because Hashem, how can Hashem, if, if, if he is asking a Jew to put on the feeling, what are you telling me, that Hashem also puts on the feeling? And, and actually in a certain level he does. He doesn't ask from us to do things that he doesn't do. So there's a, a, a Psalm 147, he says, which says, he tells his words to Jacob, his statutes and his laws to Israel. And the Midrash state, it states, God's way is not like the way of flesh and blood. Like obviously our ways are not Hashem's way. We cannot understand what Hashem wants. Like his ways are not our ways. We are finite beings encapsulated in a finite body with a finite intellect. We cannot come to fathom infinity. But in a certain way, what the, what the Rebbe is teaching us here is, and he's gonna give us an example, is that the way of flesh and blood of a king is that he instructs others to do, but he doesn't do what he tells other people to do. Hashem, on the other hand, whatever he asks the Jewish people to do, he himself does. And this is what it's telling us. So in other words, the mitzvot originate as divine deeds, his statutes, his laws, then as a result of the fact that these are what he himself does, he tells Israel to do it, go and observe them. So once I heard Rabbi Manis Friedman, he was explaining that it's like a doll, a doll, you have a doll, the doll has arms and legs and hands, right? It's similar to a human being, but it's not a human being. It's not alive, it, it's thing, there, there's things in a doll that, don't, that make it look like a human being, but it's not the human being. The same way with Hashem, we resemble Hashem, but we're not Hashem. We have a spark of God within us, but we are not actually God. So the same way, this is what he's saying here, is that the king, he gives his substitutes things to do, but he himself doesn't do them. Hashem, on the other hand, he tells us to do things. He has a will, he has a desire. The mitzvot are his desire for the world, but he's not gonna tell you, hey, you cannot eat a shrimp, and he's, not gonna, and he's gonna go and eat shrimp. Whatever that means in a, in an infinite realm. So on the other hand, other sources imply the reverse that our observance of the mitzvot causes God to respond in kind. So there's other sources, uh, for example, Yalkut Shimoni in Eha section uh, 1034, that says one who studies Torah, God sits opposite to him and studies with him. So what it means is that we are, we are, an emula we are emulating Hashem, that Hashem gives us the mitzvot in order for us to be God godly. The Torah, I've said it many times, it's, Hashem is not asking us to be spiritual beings. He doesn't want spiritual, he already has angels up there. He do, doesn't need us to be spiritual beings. He wants us to be human beings that act 
act in a godly way. This is what he wants. So in order for us to be able to emulate Hashem in this world, to be able to be godly, to be a, to be a, a kadosh, saintly, he has to give us things to do that will emulate Hashem's ways. So a mitzvah is an embodiment of the divine will. Doing a mitzvah creates a connection. So when Hashem gives us the mitzvot, he gives us a, the, the, the 613 mitzvot, which are 248 are positive mitzvot, and, three, and 365 are the negative mitzvot, the ones that we abstain from doing. What we're doing is that we're not only connecting to God, but we're also um, emulating Hashem. We're, we're one with Him. We're doing His will. So between man and God, between its human implementer and the divine conceiver, this is why God must first do a mitzvah before we can do it. Creating this connection is obviously beyond the capacity of finite and earthbound man. It is God's initiation of a particular connection that empowers us to do the same. So the question is that is asked is why does God follow our observance with an observance of his own? Right? Why, why does he need this? Hashem, is he, is he a needy God? Does he really need us to be fulfilling the mitzvot? Is, in reality, Hashem is, he is, he was, and he will be. Before he created the world, since he created the world, and after the world, uh, he's the same God. He's not, nothing affects him. Nothing changes uh, the reality of Hashem. Like we, if someone tells us something that is not nice to us, we get affected. We get sad, we get uncomfortable, we get offended, we get insecure. Hashem is not affected. Nothing affects Hashem. So the question is, why would he ask from us to do all these mitzvot? Does it, does it really create a change in him? Does it really make a difference to him if his creation is, 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 is fulfilling his desires? So here the answer to this question, which is really, really very interesting, is, is answered with another question. This is the Jewish way. You ask a question and they ask you another question. Why did God command us to do mitzvot at all? What is the whole purpose of doing a mitzvah? Why does he need people in this world to do mitzvot? So certainly he does not need anything from us. He really is not a needy God. He doesn't need anything from us. As Elihu de Butzi, Butzite, Elihu de Butzit said to Yod, if you sin, how have you affected him? If your transgressions are many, what have you done to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? And what can he receive from you? So why didn't God, who is benevolent, merciful, bountifully and kind, and good to all his creatures, create a world free of demands and restrictions on all his inhabitants? Why didn't Hashem create Olam Abba already? This is the world to come, really. It's a world in which there's no evil, where there's no sickness, where there's no hunger, where everybody's good. There's no necessity to 
to really uh, exercise a free will. So why, why, why? What, what's the, the, the deal here? What does Hashem really want from us? So uh, it says the Rebbe, because a life free of work and responsibility, a life whose blessings are not earned, but an, are handed out without cost or restriction, is a life devoid of the only true joy, and there is the joy of achievement. So Hashem created the world, and he created us to give us joy, to give us um, a life, to give us joy. He wanted to give his goodness to others. Like he's all good, nothing comes bad from Hashem. Our perception down here can trickle down and it can be perceived as bad. But in reality, nothing can descend from heaven that is bad. So Hashem, in his infinite kindness, what happened? He has nobody to give his, his kindness. He has nobody to share his wealth with. So he created a world to share his kindness, to give kindness to others. And what is the ultimate kindness? The ultimate kindness is to give joy to other people, to give them the, the vacus, which is attachment to Hashem. And the way that a person attaches to God is through fulfillment of, of mitzvot and the study of Torah. That's the way you attach to Him. So God's great, greatest kindness to us is His burdening us with the yoke of heaven. This is the greatest kindness giving us a program. He gives us a program for life. He gives us responsibilities. He gives us accountability. He's, he's, he, he, he believes in us. He trusts in us. He, he empowers us. But God did more than hand down a list of do's and don'ts. For work alone is not enough. Just to do is not enough. And, 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 and unless work has a function. So if there's no purpose in what you're doing, there's no meaning to it, that there's no fulfillment in, in, in doing something for Hashem in this case, then whatever you're going to be doing will be hollow, will be empty, will, will be void. It has no meaning whatsoever. So imagine a person that is cooking a meal, and loves to cook and is cooking and cooking and cooking and makes the most delicious food and has nobody to invite to, to, to eat with him. So what's the whole purpose of all that work? If you work and you work and you create a beautiful meal, the, 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 the satisfaction is to be able to have people around your table enjoying your food. So this is the same idea. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Itzak Schneerson, he illustrated this point with the following parable. And he tells the story of a nobleman who was touring his state, and he saw there was a guy that was pitching hay, and he saw how this guy pitched the hay, and he had these very gracious movements, and he was like in awe looking at this guy, like how for hours and hours he was pitching hay, and he was fascinated by his by by the way he did it, how graceful he was. So the nobleman said to this um, to this to this guy that was pitching the hay you know what, I want to hire you, I want you to come to my ho home, and I want you to, for an hour, come and pitch hay, make believe that you're pitching hay, and I'll pay you 10 rubles, it's much more than what you'd make in a day, and I'll sit and I'll watch you, it's for me, it's enjoyment, you know, in those days there was no Netflix, and there was no um, TV, and there was no nothing, and no computers and no Instagram. So the enjoyment, this was the type of things that people used to do to enjoy themselves. So this guy, okay, 
amazing. For one hour, I'm gonna make double of what I make in a whole day. I'm gonna go next day, I'm gonna start pitching imaginary hay for this nobleman so he can enjoy himself. And he went for one day, two days, three days. After the third day, he, lo he looked at the nobleman and he said, I'm so sorry, my master, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm resigning. I'm not, I'm not gonna do this anymore. So the nobleman looked at him and says, why are you not doing this anymore? Like I'm paying you 10 rubles a day. Like it's like a, an incredible, incredible um, job. Like who, where else are you gonna make this money? And he says, you don't understand. You don't understand when I'm outdoors and I'm pitching hay and I'm in the, and I'm doing it. I, there's a function at the end of the day, I pitch the hay, the hay is there. I, I did something, it's fulfilling. There's an objective, I did my job. But here, since it's imaginary, I do it for an hour and I, I didn't do anything. It's so hollow, it's so devoid of any meaning and purpose. And so we see that, um, that in this case, that what we're learning here is that we need to have meaning and fulfillment in our lives. If a person has no purpose, has no meaning for what he's doing, then his life is hollow. So God caused that our every action should have an objective, a significance, that they should affect him. So we think we do mitzvot for Hashem. In reality, every mitzvah you do changes you. There's a, a beautiful saying that my prayers are not gonna change Hashem, but when I pray, I change myself. Every mitzvah you do refines you, it changes you. I, I, I taught some of one student of mine how important it is to put some tzedakah every day in a pushka, in a tzedakah box. That every day before in the morning, when you wake up, before you start your day, always have, have a custom to put a, 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 a coin, one dollar in this box. And once it's filled up, you take it somewhere and you give it to, to charity, to tzedakah. And, and, and she said to me, I don't understand. It's better to write out a check. Like it's, I prefer to sit down at the end of the month and give a hundred dollars or 180 or whatever she makes. And I looked at her, you know, you have to give your 10, 10 to 15% anyways, but the, the Alter Rebbe was very specific that every day a person should be giving, giving, giving. Why? Because this act of continuous giving, continuously every day, putting this coin in the, in the pushka, creates internal change. It's, it's like you're giving like those $180 that you give a month, if you put one coin in the, in the, in the pushka every day, it's like you're giving $180 every day. So what I do is I have a nice box, a beautiful box, and I have $180 in quarters. I went to the bank, I took the $180 in quarters, I put them there. Uh, for us, the Jews, the number 18 means life. So it's 10 times 18, 10 times life. And I put them in this, in this box and I put every day this quarter in this box. Once it's full, I always have someone asking for money and I send them their $180. So this counts like if every day I give $180 because it's a continuous giving. And so this, this act of giving every day, this 25 cents, it refines
refines me. It refines me. It makes a change in me. So Hashem gave us the mitzvahs so we could have an effect on us, so we could change. And, and, and so it says here, he caused that our deeds should affect him in a manner that reflects the particular earthly nature and function. He caused that when we put on the feeling, well, obviously I don't put on the feeling, but when men put the feeling, or you kiss your mezuzah, or you give tzedakah, or you do any mitzvot, this, this involvement with the, this, this underscores the mind guidance of an involvement with the emotions, and this causes the person to, to create an involvement with the divine will. Like you connect yourself to Hashem's will. You and Hashem's will are one, and with the divine emotional attributes. And the same is true of the 613 mitzvot of the Torah, which each one corresponds to an organ or a sinew of the body, and it causes an effect in you and in your relationship with Hashem. So life is just neither humiliating, it's, not, it's neither a humiliating free lunch, nor an empty pitchfork, a pitching imaginary hay, but the true work, work that earns the blessing, it generates and has true impact and effect. So when you're doing a, a, a mitzvah, it not only you're fulfilling the purpose for which you were created, you're living a life of purpose and meaning, but it also, it creates an effect on you. So if God's observance of mitzvot were to only precede observance, but not also result from it, it in our relationship with him would be like, he, we borrowed money and he's coming to ask us for, for us to pay back interest on the loan. Like he gives us a blessing and he's asking us to pay back. So God does the mitzvah granting us the ability to do the same, but here uh, his involvement ceases. The capital is now wholly in our domain. Our efforts at his behest is connected from anything that truly is his. We're only making a payment in return for what he has given us like a borrower who pays the lender for the fact that he has extended him a loan. So Hashem, in his infinite, infinite kindness to us, gives us a loan. He gives us life. It's a loan. We're not going to be here forever. There's going to be one day that's no more of you. He gives you a time. He gives you a space. He gives you uh, your potentials. He gives you all these things. These are loans. These are loans from Hashem. And so we, he's not going to charge us interest for this. But when we do the mitzvah, we are returning the loan. We are putting everything he gave us into work and we're giving back we're returning what he gave us this is what when a jew is doing a mitzvah this is what he's doing he's really returning the loan so but god's contract with us is not that of an, an unserious money lender but of a heter iska investor he invests in us he extends us the capital and insists on payment in return but he stresses that this is a partnership and ongoing involvement. Hashem created us to be his partners in this world, to be able to, to fulfill the purpose of creation. Without us, he could not do it. If we, if we wouldn't exist, if Hashem wouldn't have created the world as we know it, then, then what purpose, what fulfillment, what nothing? In order to be able to give meaning to Hashem, that give a, a reality to God, to God, that God does exist, He has to create a world. He has to create people that make Hashem true, make Hashem a reality. 
through the mitzvot. So God desires that we emulate his relationship with us in our relationship with our fellow men, that the nature, the profit he extracts from, from his creation should dictate the manner in which we profit from what he, we extended to one who has need to be for the resources in our possession. So one who disregards the prohibition of earthly rejects the divine partnership in life, a partnership that makes our every endeavor a true and fulfilling, fulfilling achievement. So yes, the way that we emulate our creator is through the mitzvot. He created man in his image and he gives us all this in order, it's a kindness he's giving us. It's a, it's a, he wanted to give kindness. And the way to give kindness is to put us to work. It's to put us to work, he invests in us, he gives us everything we need to do to, to be able to do what he needs us to do. And in this way, it's a perfect partnership. So I wish you a blessed week. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.